Lastly, I've had so much fun hanging with you guys, man. This is one of the longest uh, times I've spent away at one at one venue. So it's just really fun that I've got time to hang out with you and get to know most of you guys. And it's been a blast. So for our last session together, let's turn to Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. I'm going to say a word of prayer, then we're in. Lord, I pray that you would speak so mightily. I pray that you would borrow my voice, do all the talking, and I pray that we would go our way living under the reality that he is above me. It's not about me, it's about you. So help us to Philippians 2, esteem others as better than ourselves, humble ourselves into the mighty hand of God, just as you made yourself of no reputation, have the name above all names, exalted above all other reputation as the King of kings and Lord of lords, before whom every knee will bow and tongue will confess that you are the Lord to the glory of God the Father. So too, I pray that you would help us to be humble and confident and to go our way with a brazen face, knowing that we venture into a bold future adventurously as we advance the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you have heard of Johnny Cash? Yes, the famous musician. How many of you have heard of Bob Hope, the famous comedian and TV personality? How many of you have heard of Steve Jobs, the creator of your iPhone? 20 years ago, we had Johnny Cash, Bob Hope, and Steve Jobs. They were all living 20 years ago. 20 years ago, we had Johnny Cash, Bob Hope, and Steve Jobs. Now, we have no cash, no hope, and no jobs. Please, God, don't let Kevin Bacon die. Do you ever feel like that's how life is? I got no cash, I got no hope, I got no jobs, and you might say, and I missed bacon this morning at breakfast. What do you do when you're hurting so bad that you feel like as you're on your way back home, this is the end of camp, there's no hope, no jobs, no cash, you feel like you're going into a situation that's very scary because you're away from your Christian friends, your family isn't into you being a person of faith, and you're finding yourself about to enter into some serious battles as you drive back to your homes in Virginia today. Well, let's take a look at what God tells Joshua as he's about to fight some serious battles himself. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, here's what the Lord says. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua is issued a command by God in our text to not be afraid. So too, I want to leave you with the charge. As you live with the reality that he is above me, go your way confident that he is with you wherever you go. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, Jesus said. So do not be afraid. Because here's what fear is. F-E-A-R acronym. False. Evidence appearing real. That's all fear is. F-E-A-R. False evidence appearing real. It's nothing more than an illusion. It's nothing more than a mirage. It's nothing more than a chimera. It exists in your mind and nowhere else. Fear is sneaky. It tries to make you think it's reality. And so God has to tell Joshua... 
numerous times in this passage to not be scared. Why? Because Joshua was about to go into the land of Canaan. He was going to fight Canaanites, Perizzites, Jebusites, Hittites, Amalekites, flashlights, termites, Miller lights, the whole nine yards. He was about to go to battle with a bunch of enemies. And God had to tell him, don't be afraid. Why? Because I'm with you. So Joshua knew that because the battle was not his, but the battle was the Lord's, he was more than a conqueror through the Lord who overcomes the world. You also are a kingdom warrior and have nothing to be afraid of, no matter what you face when you go home. Because I want to tell you, you're an animal. Have you ever heard that? Like when somebody's a stud, you know, they're just like dropping back for those passes, hitting 90-yard Hail Marys, and just gets the winning touchdown. You're like, that quarterback, he's an animal. I want to tell you, you're an animal. You say, what do you mean? Well, the Bible says in Isaiah 40, 31, that if you wait on God, you'll mount up with wings like eagles. You're an animal. As you wait on God, 106 times the Bible tells us to wait on God. You're an animal. You're going to fly with wings like eagles. Listen, you were meant to not only fly with wings like eagles, but let's keep going through the animal kingdom in the Bible. You were meant to run with horses. Jeremiah was told by God, if you can't compete with footmen, how are you going to run with horses? I've called you to race secretariat. I've called you to compete against horses. You were destined to run with horses. Not only that, let's continue the fact that you're an animal. The Bible says you are the sheep of his hand, Psalm 100. Jesus says, you are the sheep of my pasture, and I know my sheep by name. Jesus not only teaches that God puts the stars in space, the Bible says God knows the stars by name. He doesn't know the stars in heaven only by name, and the movie stars by name. He knows you by name, because a shepherd knows his sheep by name, and you're following the Lamb of God as the sheep of his fold, and you can be confident that you are loved by him, because you're not only a lamb following your shepherd, but you know that the lion of the tribe of Judah is roaring inside of you even as we sang today. You got the lion of the tribe of Judah roaring on your behalf. So you were meant to live a life of Proverbs 14.4 where you take risks and you have a barn filled with oxen because you're an animal. What do you mean? Proverbs 14.4 says, where no oxen are, the trough is clean, but much increase comes by the strength of an ox. Now here's what that means. That if I have a barn, and I live in Oregon, so you would think I have a barn, but I don't. But if I had a barn, and I said, hey, come check out my barn. Look how clean it is. You're like, what's the secret? How do you keep your barn so clean? There's no pasture patties. There's no cow pies. There's no bad smells. There's no chickens clucking. There's no roosters crowing. There's no fur. There's no messes. What's your secret? What if I said, well, my secret is I have OCD, so I have no animals. They're too messy. You'd say, well, what's the point of your barn? That's a pointless barn. I would rather have a pigsty productive barn than a pristine pointless barn. I'd rather have you say, look at these cow pies. Look at these pasture patties. Look at these disgusting smelling, smelly messes. Look at the flies buzzing around. But also look at the produce that comes from this barn. Some of us try to just live a, a, a problem-free, pristine, pointless life. But the Lord has called you sometimes to live a pigsty productive life. By that I mean, when you take risks for his kingdom, sometimes you're going to fail. Sometimes you're going to make some messes. But you're also going to have much produce. Because the only way to never fail in life is to never do anything great. Often the doorway to success is entered through the hallway of failure. 
But at the end of the day, you can know you're an animal mounting up with wings like eagles, running with horses. He knows you, his sheep by name, as you follow the line of the tribe of Judah, having a messy barn filled with oxen. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like an animal now that I leave this place because I got so encouraged by the worship and teachings this week. When I was listening to Tyler share the word, when I was listening to Barrett doing the devotionals, when I'm listening to the lyrics of these songs, I just feel so built up in my holy faith. I feel like God was stalking me. I feel like I got to come here to be fed myself. Do you ever feel like you go into church and it's like the worship songs that are being sung and the message by the pastor is exactly what you needed to hear and it's eerie? Psalm 139 verse 2, David felt that way. He said, you understand my thought afar off. You're like a telepathic mind reader. Sometimes God seems to use like a preacher or a worship leader as a host body that he inhabits. He then borrows that person's voice box as a telepathic mind reader and speaks inception style exactly what that person needed to hear. Do you ever feel like God's stalking you because he tells you just what you were in need of? Kind of like that small girl who was once listening to Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Spurgeon was a famous preacher at the London Metropolitan Tabernacle in the 1800s. Awesome Victorian man of God who was a powerful preacher of the gospel who originated the term lump of sunshine. C.H. Spurgeon, one time after he gave a message, there was a little girl in the congregation. And after the sermon was done, the little girl turned to her mother and said, Mother, how does he know exactly what goes on in our house? Isn't that what happens sometimes? How does he know exactly what goes on in our house? That's what Joshua could say. God, how did you know exactly what I needed to hear? Four times in Joshua 1, I'm told not to be afraid. And this is perfect because gladiator style, I'm about to go do some more William Wallace face paint against some Canaanites, Hittites, and Jebusites. Not being afraid was the message I needed, Joshua could say. And I believe that's the message you and I need as we go our way, to not be afraid. Can I tell you a time when God helped me not be afraid? When I felt like he was stalking me, it was years ago when I heard this poem by Rudyard Kipling called If. It felt like just the word for me. Rudyard Kipling wrote this book called The Jungle Book. Very, very famous poet. This is what he wrote. This is like the ultimate courage. Be a man. Be a woman. Be an animal. Kind of poem. Let me share it with you. Kipling said, "If, if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself, or we would say trust the Lord in you, when all men doubt you but make allowance for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting or being lied about, don't deal in lies, or being hated, don't give way to hating, and yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think but not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same, if you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them up with worn-out tools, if you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss, if you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone, and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings nor lose the common touch, 
If neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you but none too much, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it, and which is more, you'll be a man, my son. Isn't that poem just bomb.com? If by Rudyard Kipling. Kipling said, if you can man up, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, if you can force your heart to serve your turn long after your will is gone, you'll be a man and everything in the earth will be yours. You know Jesus taught something very similar? In Matthew 5, 5, Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Jesus said, if you're meek, yours is the earth, just as Kipling said, and everything that's in it. Now check this out. Meekness is not weakness. The word for meek in the Greek language is praus, P-R-A-U-S. The word praus was used of an animal, like a wild stallion. Speaking of being an animal, it was used of a wild stallion that was tamed, broken, and knew how to respond to the word of command and knew how to respond to the reign of the, the rider. It meant strength under control. Blessed are you when you're like an animal, like a wild stallion, Praeus, that's what the word meant. Under control, strength under control. You don't respond to the reign of a rider, but to the reign of the king. To the rule of the king. Jesus says, yours is the earth and everything that's in it. So my hope for you, my friends, is that you would not just barely go your way with a little bit of encouragement. But that you would face your fears, embrace your fears, and chase your fears. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And if you're going to live a life filled with hope where you dream big for the kingdom of God, remember there is no hope unmingled with fear, and there is no fear unmingled with hope. Living a hopeful life means we will often do things that are scary, but because God's with us, we can laugh in the face of fear. Psalm chapter 2, verse 4 says, He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. So too, we can laugh in the face of fear. I, I, I talked about laughter a few nights ago, but I love laughing because the famous philosopher John Locke said that laughter is a sudden glory. It's my favorite definition of laughter. It's a sudden glory. It's like a preview of the glory to come. Atheists cannot explain away laughter, nor can they explain away music. Laughter, man. When you laugh, it's like a sudden glory. It's like a teaser trailer, a preview of things to come. I love watching previews and teaser trailers. When I saw Paper Town's trailer, I started crying because I'm like, they're making a movie of one of my favorite John Green books. And not only was the trailer enjoyable, it built up anticipation for the actual coming attraction. When I saw J.J. Abrams was making Star Wars and I saw Han Solo as Harrison Ford coming into the Millennium Falcon as a 60-year-old and he's like, we're finally home, Chewie. I'm like, thank God. You know, when you see a preview, it's not only enjoyable in the moment, it builds up anticipation for coming attractions. That's how it is when you laugh. John Locke said it's a sudden glory. It's a teaser trailer of the glory to come. It's a preview of coming attractions. It shows us what to look forward to when we get to heaven because Jesus did not preach the blues. He preached the good news. Jesus did not say, do you want the bad news first or the good news first? He said, do you want the good news first or the good news first? I'm pretty sure that the Bible does 
doesn't say, turn to the bad news according to Mark. It's turn to the gospel according to Mark. It really is good news. It's not blues. I know the world around you is saying there is no hope. There's no cash, no jobs, no hope, and soon to be no Kevin Bacon either. But Jesus says there is good news. God does have a bad case of the so loves for you. So give that good news to others because you will spread your courage to people because bravery is contagious and infectious. And how we walk with the broken speaks louder than how we walk with the great. Jesus says, I preach glad tidings to the poor. Jesus had this way of always doing things that were absolutely terrifying. You remember one time Jesus was about to get pushed off a cliff? One time Jesus, he made people so mad because he said, Jesus said that the good news is going to come not only to Jews, but to Gentiles too. Just as Elijah and Elisha had respectively healed lepers and widows in their day who were Gentiles and not Jews, Jesus taught that you'll say a proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. You've done miracles in other lands. Why don't you do a miracle here in your hometown? And Jesus said, like Elijah and Elisha, who ministered to widows and lepers who were Gentiles, so too I'm going to preach the good news to people who aren't Jews. I'm going to the Gentiles too. God doesn't just so love Israel. He does, but he also so loves the world. Now, many of the strict Jews believed that Gentiles were nothing more than fuel for the fires of hell. Many of the strict Jews of orthodoxy believed that you were created by God, if you were a Gentile, to just be fuel for the fires of hell. And Jesus said, I'm going to go minister to Gentiles. I really like them. They're like, we're pushing you off a cliff. So they took him up to a cliff and they were about to push him off. And then the Bible says the most extraordinary thing. It says that Jesus just passed through their midst. We don't even know how. Scholars don't know how, but I do. I figured it out. I did. The Bible says he just passed through their midst and walked away. But I know how he did it. See how? You will not push me over the edge of the cliff. We will not push you over the edge of the cliff. You want to go home and rethink your life. We want to go home and rethink our lives. You do not want to sell me death sticks. I do not want to sell you death sticks. I'm just kidding. I don't know if it really happened that way. But Jesus had a way of doing things that were really scary, like saying to Jews who hated Gentiles that those were the people he would go to minister to. Jesus had a way of doing things that were so scary that he'd go into the temple and face the powers that be with an Indiana Jones bullwhip. You remember Jesus took a whip one time and he started driving people out of the temple? What they were doing historically is they were selling doves for 15 times the amount that you could buy doves outside the temple. But the priests had become merchants and they were saying, we have holy doves. And if you buy these sacrifices for 15 times the amount you can get them on the open market for, then you're going to be pleasing to God. Jesus was so mad that they were ripping people off that they had turned the house of God into a den of thieves that he took an Indiana Jones bullwhip and got them out of there. Jesus was so brave that one time when he told the story of what it looks like to be loving, to fulfill the greatest commandment of all, which is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, he told the story of a good Samaritan. Now, we're used to that story, but do you know how scary that would have been to tell a story of a good Samaritan? Jews hated Samaritans. Samaritans were a mixed breed, half Hebrew, half Gentile, so Jews hated them. They were like mudbloods. Hated, hated Samaritans. So when Jesus told the story of a Samaritan that entered onto the scene to help a guy who was helpless and beaten up, they thought, oh, surely Jafar is coming onto the scene now. 
Remember Jafar from Aladdin? Did anybody else grow up with Aladdin? Surely this is Jafar. Surely the Joker has come. This must be Ultron. But Jesus is like, actually, he's the hero of the story. Another time, he not only faced his fears by talking good about a Samaritan, but he called the powers that be whitewashed tombs. You're full of dead men's bones on the inside, but you look good on the outside, Jesus said to the Pharisees. And that's funny because back in Levitical law, if you came into contact with a tomb, you would be made unclean for a certain period of time and you weren't allowed to go into the temple. So he was saying, not only are you unclean, but you're infecting others with your bad ideas. So as we draw to a close, I love, I love how our Lord was always facing our fears because our Lord shows us that there are three kinds of people in the world. There are those who make things happen. There are those who watch things happen. And then there are those who wonder what happened. Be the kind of person who make things happen. Listen, know your limitations. Know your limitations. Know your limitations and then defy them. You could say, I have the Lord my God with me wherever I go, so I will inherit the promised land. I'm not going to complain and remain. I'm going to praise and be raised. So throw water on the fire of your fears and throw gasoline on the passions of your dreams because the two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you found out why. One day your life will flash before your eyes. Make sure it's worth watching because God has not given you the spirit of fear but of power, love, and of a sound mind. So do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Can I get an amen to that? Thank you so much for letting me hang with you guys. Your best days are ahead of you. I'm so pumped that I got to be here. Let's give a big hand to our man, Tyler. Tyler, come on up and tell us what's next, my friend.